And we're going to continue in our, um, our service today. Um, if you could move forward a few. Thank you. Uh, we've been talking about faith quite a bit in the past several weeks. You know, and there's, there's different ways that we can see faith manifest itself. We learned last week about how we, we show our faith through our works. What we do can show people our faith. And that's, like I expressed this morning, you know, sometimes I think that just by being there and living our lives, we are showing people what faith looks like. We don't even know it, you know. The Lord is revealing himself through our lives. We're reminded that faith is what enabled Jesus to bring healing and deliverance and every provision, every provision that was needed, including money to pay taxes. If anybody's struggling with that, you know, in this season, including that, Peter went out fishing and brought in, what, four drachma coin to, I think there's a derby coming up here. Tim, Tim's not here this morning, but yeah, a few more weeks away here. That's a scripture I always declare while I'm out there by the stream, you know. Fish better have my money. Better be tagged. Uh, so far, I only ever got one to cover my registration fee, so I don't know what God was saying. I think he was like, uh, it's Sunday, boy. Why isn't your butt in church, you know? <laughs> Anyways, we, we, yeah, we will have that, that conversation with him another time. But, but faith is still how we receive everything from God. We don't earn things from God. He's not your employer and you're his employee. He freely gives everything to you. Freely gives it all, but it requires our faith to receive it. Faith is like the, the conduit to receive everything from the kingdom of God. It starts at our salvation. We heard the good news, and without really seeing any evidence, we just believed in it. Then the evidence came. Faith is about being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So the evidence comes after, right? I mean testimonies are evidence that God did it for them he'll do it for me but when it happens for you it's after your faith so man it really messes with your head you know because that's not the way the world operates the way the world operates is you know you work for me and then you get your check or you do this I'll do that you know it's 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 a back and forth it's you move first and in the kingdom of God it's yes we move first but we just move in faith we just move in faith and then God freely gives everything everything we need every act of provision Faith can be seen through the immediate and miraculous receipt of God's promises. Just like this case. I love this. This is a good old Pentecostal service here in Acts chapter 14. And I'm going to read in verses 8 through 10. It was in uh, Lystra. They were there at Lystra and there sat a man who was lame. Is there any lame men here this morning? No. Uh, lame is in like literally his like, legs were crippled up. He couldn't walk, you know, just, just to be sure, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. But he couldn't walk. In fact, it says here in, in verse 8 that he had been that way from birth. He had never walked. Never a day in his life. He listened to Paul while he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had the faith to be healed, and then called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. How awesome is that? I know... I, I, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a member on Facebook of all these different, like, you know, very reserved groups. And, you know, the, the, the Dunder Mifflin Theological Seminary. It's a very, very prestigious school that I'm a part of. <laughs> if you guys know what Dunder Mifflin is anyways. But there's always these memes out there about, about these w crazy, whacked-out Christians that, you know, they just stand there and they, they make a declaration, you know, that you're healed. And it's like, they're like, that's not biblical. And I'm like, what Bible are you 
reading from? Because I see it all through here. Paul is preaching. He sees this man. And I don't know what it is about this man, but he sees that he has the faith to be healed. I don't know what Paul was seeing. It's just a spiritual thing. He pro Paul probably couldn't even explain it to you. He was like, I just, like our eyes met. And it's like, I just knew, like something stirred. And, and he saw he had the faith to be healed. So he tells this man, who's all crippled up, never walked a step in his life. He tells him to get up. To get up and to walk. Wow. And he did it. The man jumped up and began to walk around. Didn't even have to learn. Isn't that cool in the kingdom of God? You can have an ability to do something that you've never even been trained or taught in. You can just do it. Because the Spirit can equip you and enable you. That's so awesome. So, so Lord, you did it for Paul. I'm just believing you're going to do it for me, for, for auto mechanics, to, to replace engines and whatnot, because we need that. But anyways, but he can. He can enable you to do these things. Now, we don't know what Paul was preaching about. This is so cool. Think about, like, I... You know, I don't know. I'm a detailed person, and this blows my mind. We have no idea what Paul's preaching about. Could have been preaching about repentance. Could have been preaching about healing. Could have been preaching about prophecy. He could have been preaching about, I don't know, absolutely anything. We don't know what his message was about, but while he was speaking, God chose for all these things to not be recorded. We don't know how they ended up together. How did this man end up, you know, we, we don't know where he was at. Was he in someone's house? Was he at a church? Was he in, in the, uh, the, 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 the S word of where the, the, the people, the Jewish people hung out? Synagogue. Synagogue, thank you, yeah. We don't know where they were at. We don't know how they'd come to know each other. We, we know nothing about anything except for the fact that he had faith to be healed and he was healed. But do you see this thing, the, the, the way this works, you know? I mean, Jesus paid the price. It says, the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. He was crushed for iniquities and all those things. And Man, you should have been there last Wednesday. It was so cool. So many, so many things got brought out in that message. I'm just still blown away by it. Like, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it when you have a message that good. It's, you know, anyways. What was I saying? Okay, so it's been paid for. Freely given. But it's given through faith. And so you see, first of all, the faith of Paul. It's pretty bold to look at a crippled person and tell them to get up and walk. Didn't say, you know what, I just feel like the, the Lord is stirring something here. I feel like he wants to heal somebody, you know. Like, sir, would you, you know, he wasn't very kind about it. He's like, get up and walk. He commanded. He proclaimed. He declared. And I'm telling you, when you look at the ministry of Jesus in the early church, the ones who were successful in these things, they didn't ask and beg and plead and please, Lord, if it's your will and if it's a time and if, 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 if. They just said, do it! And it happened. They cooperated with God. Jesus said he only saw what he did the saw the Father doing. That's why he was successful. Paul saw what God was doing. God wanted to heal that man. He saw that that man also had the faith for it, and it happened. So cool. So all those unknowns don't need to be the focus. What, whatever the circumstances, God made sure that he knew that God had healed this man because he had the faith to accomplish it. We know that Paul was speaking about the kingdom of God and, and God revealed to him what he wanted to do. God working through the faith of Paul and that, that man to do the impossible. This man had never learned to walk, never once, never a day in his lifetime from birth on had he ever taken a step However, the simple command of Paul, by the leading of God, he jumped onto his feet and began to walk. That takes some faith, too. You've never stepped on these feet before. And the man, it says he jumped up and began to walk. That's faith. Faith, faith, faith. It was a radical act of obedience. And it was literally a huge step of faith. 
It was a radical act of obedience for Paul to, to declare that to that man and for that man to actually obey and to do it. Radical act of obedience. And God proved himself faithful, proved his word to be true, his promises to be yes. But for just a moment, try to imagine yourself in that man's situation. Try to imagine yourself in his situation. Both Paul and this lame man. I mean, commanding someone who never ever walked a day in their life it's pretty much like commanding you ride a fly and to jump off a building, you know? It's impossible. You can't do it, right? It is absolutely impossible. In fact, this seems outright rude or cruel by worldly standards to tell someone who is crippled to get up and walk, you know? Trust me, you can ask my kids. I have this conversation with them all the time. They say this curse word in our household, I can't. They, they started from the time they were two and could speak, they're 18, and they're still saying it. I can't. And I'm like, how many times do I say it? Mom and dad would never ask you to do something you can't do, right? That's just rude. That's cruel. That's mean. Why would you set your kid up for failure? Ask them to do something they can't do. Don't you love that? The heavenly father was asking that man to do something that by worldly standards was impossible. He couldn't do it. But... By God's standards, the impossible is possible. That man did it because he knew the Heavenly Father was calling him to do it. He had the faith for it. And he just knew that it, was, it could happen, that it was possible. God wasn't asking an impossibility for him. He was asking a possibility for him. Just, just faith. Faith. It was impossible. And yet he believed through God that he could do it. And so he jumped to his feet and he did it. The impossible became a reality right before everyone's eyes. And there are so many unanswered questions, but I doubt that he cared about any of them from that day on. Nowhere do we see recorded, God, why? Why would a loving God allow this man to be crippled all of his life, depending on other people? All that that man cared about God, probably, was that God is the God who heals, right? See, perspective is so powerful when it comes to our faith. We ask the wrong questions. We care about the wrong things sometimes i'm saying that in the nicest kind of way we have our own little pity parties don't we why me why 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 you know i know i have plenty of them you know but this man all that he cared about was the goodness of god how good is god that he would heal this man after all those years it's another way of looking at it right you could say how cruel was god to let him go this long with this this disease or whatever it was that caused him to be lame or you could say how good was god to release that healing, that he could jump to his feet and, and begin walking. I mean, you know, perspective. God heals. And faith can be seen through the immediate and miraculous receipt of God's promises. And then Jude, God can also be seen through the seasons of waiting. The seasons of waiting. Oh, man, I, I do not like to wait. I don't like to wait at all. Financial Peace University. You know, why, why should I save and wait to go get something when I can, you know, use the, the credit card right here and right now, you know? Um, as we've seen personally, you'll pay four, eight times the amount for it in the long run. <laughs> As I, I told our kids, I'm like, just every time you do that, you need to pretend that what you're doing is, because this is literally what you're doing. You are going to the bank and you're taking out a loan at like 18, 28% interest for a stick of gum. Would you seriously do that? Would you seriously go, to, go down to the bank, go down to Elderton State Bank, take out a loan, go to Dollar General and buy some snackies? Would you do that? No. Then don't swipe your credit card because that's what you're doing, you know, and you're going to pay so much for it in the long run. But we don't like to wait. 
That's why debt is so prevalent in our society, because they tell you, don't wait, just go get it. Live your best life now. Pay for it later, you know? Just, you know, just live in the now, live in the present, and whew. I'm sure many of us who have lived a little bit can testify that's not a good way of living, you know? Plan for the future, because it's coming. It is coming. But faith can be seen through the waiting season. While we are still confident in what we hope for, while we're certain of what we do not see over a long period of time, that is when our faith is tested, when our faith is proven genuine just as clearly. When our faith is proven genuine, we believe even when we don't see, and we're in that waiting season. Um, we find this similar account, uh, Jude, in, in the Gospel of John. Um, disputes are still rising about this whole encounter. And if you want to turn there, we're going to read through John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Disputes were breaking out in John chapter 8 about, among the Pharisees about the testimony that Jesus was sharing. He's going around preaching about the kingdom. And, and they, they were disputing about what he was talking about. They were disputing who he was. They were disputing what he would do. You see, a common side effect when we choose to live by faith is being criticized by others. A common side effect when you choose to live by faith is getting criticized by yourself. I think Becky had shared this morning, you know, that there are times when we have our own doubts. Is this thing real? Can I really rely on, like, you know, God said it, but this isn't happening, and why not? And, you know, the enemy loves to ask that question. Why? Why? God, man, all the enemy has to do is whisper a simple little question. Look at the garden. What did the enemy have to ask Adam and Eve? Did God really say that? That's all he had to ask and then slither away and, you know, the rest is history. He loves to put those questions in our ears. That's why we have to be a, a prophetic priesthood that stands on the word of God and declares it and proclaims it with our mouth. Because our mouths speak a lot of doubt, don't they? That's why God has given our mouth to speak faith. So a long wait. We think about this man who is lame from birth. We don't know how long it was probably decades before Jesus came along and brought healing to him. And we find a similar account here in John chapter 9. And there's many other accounts. There's a guy near the uh, pool of Bethsaida. You know, what, um, it just will go on and on and on. There's a lot of accounts where it's like, there's a long, it, it, it's sort of like the opposite of what, what do we say in the natural? Hurry up and wait. Like, we got to get there. And then we get there 15 minutes early. And then, like, it doesn't even, maybe doctor's appointments is probably a good, good example of that, right? You know, you got to be there early, but the doctor can be as late as they want to be, right? You know, they'll charge you if you show up late, but you know, you don't get a discount if, if they're an hour or two hours late. Anybody ever experienced that? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being in, having to show up to appointments all the time, but it's annoying. Hurry up and wait. This is sort of the opposite of waiting, 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 and then God acts instantly. That man stood, jumped to his feet and walked. It was not a slow, progressive thing. But he waited all of his life for that moment. And I'll tell you, some of those moments are so worth waiting for, right? We have those moments in life. Graduation coming up here. Weddings, children, you know. Nine long months of waiting. And then it seems like it happens and you forget all about the long wait, you know. At least that's what Becky testified. I, I don't know if it's like that for all women, but, you know. It's like, oh, you're waiting and you're miserable and then you forget all about it. It's, hurt, it's, it's wait, 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 and then it happens. That's how God often works. In John chapter 9 here, as Jesus went along, he saw a blind man from birth. So here it is again. God could not see a day of his life. From birth, he was blind. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
There's so much revealed in those two little sentences. They're walking along. They see this blind man. And the first thing they say is, who sinned? Whose fault is it? Who screwed up? You know? Th that guy's obviously under the condemnation judgment of God, right? For a sin. Isn't that what we ask ourselves? I know, I, like, I'm just getting what I deserve, you know? I done gone and sinned, and I, I know for all those years, and, you know, so, you know, you just you heap condemnation on yourself. But what does Romans 8 say? How much condemnation is there for those in Christ Jesus? None! None! Zilch! Nada! No condemnation! So anytime condemnation gets heaped on, you just sweep it off! Like dirt, like dust, like, no, 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 that's not mine. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that's what they thought. Who sinned? Who screwed up? Clearly this guy was very well known. Jesus and his disciples knew him. They knew that he had been born blind. I mean, this guy had a reputation, you know. They're, they knew all these things about him. And as they're walking by... They asked sort of some of the, I would say the stupidest question ever, you know. They're like, hey, Jesus, who screwed up? Look at where their heart is. How hard of a heart do you have to be, have to be like, you know what, Jesus? Yeah, I know you just healed the blind people back there. That guy, pff, who sinned? Because you're not healing him. You know, you're not, you did it for them, but you're not doing it for him. It just think about what had to be in their mind and in their heart to ask such a question. Anyways, I'll go on here. But why this is the case was clearly revealed that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. He doesn't think the way that we think. They're thinking what I just said, but what is Jesus thinking? They assume that blindness, this blindness was a result of God's judgment for sin. And they likely would have just kept on walking and just figured he's getting what he deserves. They didn't display any compassion toward him. They showed no interest in helping him in any way whatsoever. And they actually probably felt a little bit better than him because they were walking with Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. Like, I'm following them. And then you got this blind dude over there, you know, who's under the, the judgment of God because of his sin or his father's sin. But Jesus thought, and he responded so, so much differently than his disciples. In fact, he shifted the responsibility for this man's blindness. Can you imagine the boldness of Jesus? He shifted the fault of that man being blind from that man and his parents. He put it right on the disciples. He's blind because of you. Wow. But it was an act of empathy. An act of empathy. Feel for the man. And so we go on here in verse 3. And, and Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And this is where he shifts to the responsibility. Because as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Jesus didn't even say, I have to do the works of the one who sent me. Jesus said, we. You know why this man is blind? It's on us. Because we're not doing our job. He's blind because we're not doing the work of God. In fact, Jesus gave a warning. He said, night is coming when no one will be able to work. But Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And so not only were Jesus' thoughts not the same as, as the disciples' thoughts and our thoughts, but his ways are far, far higher than our ways. I've never, ever seen anyone act this way toward a blind person. Never in my life. But this is how Jesus responded. It said, after seeing this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and then rubbed it on the man's eyes. Then he told him, go, 
Go wash in the pool of Siloam. That word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. He came home seeing. Now, this method is highly controversial at best, <laughs> but no one can win an argument about the results. And we're going to see there are a lot of arguments and debates about the results, but no one could argue with the results. But think about that. Wow. Honestly, when I thought about it, I'm like, Jesus, why in the world did you do that? Because that was one of the weirdest, flakiest things I've ever seen anyone do. And if someone spit and rubbed, you know, their, their, their loogie in someone's eyes here at New Hope, I'd be like, what are you doing? What in the world? Like, what were you thinking? But if they were healed, I'd be like, mm, praise God. Apparently you're hearing from God and, uh, you know, I was doubting. <laughs> think about that. Wow. It, it brought healing. Um, but... More than the, the, that, like I was praying about it, and I'm like, that is so weird. Why did you do it that way? And then God reminded me. I'm not saying this is necessarily the case or not, but this is what I felt was the case. God's like, how did I create Adam? What did he do? He got down on the earth, and in mud, he formed Adam. Like, this could have literally been a, a recreative miracle. This could have been like Jesus putting mud on the guy's eyes, and then boom, they become like good eyes. It could have been a recreative miracle. I'm like, that's so cool. Maybe that's why he just needed mud, like, you know? Man, if he can make mud out of, I mean, you know, new eyes out of mud, I mean, surely he can make a new heart. Surely he can make a new toe. Surely two new toes. We'll take two, please, Jesus. Two new ones, right? I mean, come on. There's nothing too hard for him. Um, but uh, again, we see this radical act of obedience. Not only did Jesus have to spit in the mud and rub it in his eyes, but that guy had to receive that. And then, he wasn't allowed to just be like, oh, come on, dude, what are you thinking? He had to leave it on there, and Jesus told a blind man to go to a pool. He's blind. This seems cruel. This seems rude. I mean, you need to spit in the guy's eyes, but now you're telling him to go walk off through the public, in a very public place this was, with this mud on your eyes, and then go and wash it off there. But he didn't argue. It was a radical act of obedience. And I wonder how often that is the key that is missing to these breakthroughs. Our faith that is displayed through a radical act of obedience. Are we ready and willing to do the weird and flaky if that's what God is calling us to do? Are we willing to humble ourselves and not to think more highly of ourselves and, and not to think that this is not God speaking? Are we willing to just humble ourselves and just do whatever God is calling us to do? whether it makes sense to us or not, because almost every healing, almost every victory that was won, almost every, I mean, telling Peter to go fishing for that coin, like, almost every miracle that I see in the Bible, it always required this strange act of obedience in faith before God released it, you know? Just find, find an account where that didn't take place. Like, Almost always, I mean, Moses' hand's staying up, you know, so they would run the battle. I mean, on and on and on and on, and marching around the walls of Jericho, and you name it, cracking the, 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 the pots, the crack pots, <laughs> uh, with, uh, with uh, yeah, what's his name, and the candles, and the torches, and the, Gideon, Gideon, yeah. Anyways, on and on and on, just strange things. So Jesus told this blind man to go and to make his way to the pool and to wash his eyes in it. And in verse 8, it says, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked this question. Isn't this the same man that used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Others says, nah, it just looks like him. 
Because this man can see now. Everybody knew this guy. Everybody knew this guy in town. You know what it's like living in a small community? Everybody knows you and everything about you. People walk up and start talking to me, and I have no idea who they are. And sometimes I'm honest and apologize. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but, you know, who, who are you, and how do we meet? And, and then sometimes I just go with it and act like I know the person too. But you know what it's like? People know you. People knew this blind man. Some people are like, that's him. And other people are like, nah, it just looks like him. The man himself insisted. He heard the, the rumors. He's like, no, 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 I am the man. I'm him. I'm that blind dude, that one that used to sit over there begging. You know, I'm, I'm the guy. Like, he was proud of it. Don't be ashamed of your past. That's who you used to be. Proclaim it. That, that, I was blind, but now I see, right? I mean, that was me. Don't hide it. That's who I was. You know what I used to be like. You know the years I spent in prison. Whatever your, whatever your story is, like, yeah, that was me. But now look at me, you know? Look what Jesus did. Look what he did. So they asked him, they asked him when he said, I am the man. They said, well, then how, how are your eyes opened? And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and to wash. So I went and washed. And then I could see, like... Don't you love that? It's like pretty much Jesus did it. Like, this makes no sense. He told me to do this and I did it. Now I can see. Isn't that so cool? You know, I, I mean, how, how many things have we seen happen just because we made that simple uh, choice of faith, you know, for, for me to come back full time? Like, I just, I can't believe what God's doing now. He's doing some really cool things. And it's just nothing that we did, nothing that we requested. And next thing you know, like all this ministry's happening. And it's just, it's so cool to see when we just, Choose to cooperate with Jesus by faith. And so they asked him, well, where is this man? He said, I don't know. <laughs> like, do you see some of the, the questioning, the challenging, the doubts, the, the curiosity? Where's this guy that, that, that can make you see? Like, you've never opened your eyes before in your life. And so he replied in verse 11. Um, oh, in verse 13. They brought to the Pharisee the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath day. Now what does the Old Testament require by penalty of death on the Sabbath day? That you do no work. Punishable by death if you work on the Sabbath. Whew. Jesus went and done some work on the Sabbath, didn't he? In verse 15, therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. And the man replied, how many times do I have to tell this story? He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. He's like, why is it so hard for y'all to get and understand? He put mud on my eyes, I went and washed it off, now I see. Like, he just keeps the same testimony over and over and over again. <sighs> Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He doesn't even keep the Sabbath. Other people asked, well, then how can he perform such a sign? So they were divided. Men, will your faith divide people? When you walk in faith, it will bring division. People are like, you're an idiot. And some people will be like, wow, I want to be like you. How can you be so bold and confident, you know? It'll divide people. It'll reveal things. It'll show you who your friends truly are. The ones that are willing to stick through you through thick and thin, even if they think you're an idiot. Are they willing to stay there, you know? You'll see who your true friends are. You know, um, and then we go on here, and so they keep questioning him and challenging him. So then they turned again to the blind man, and they said, well, what do you have to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. The man replied, well, he's a prophet. They still didn't believe that he had been blind and then received his sight back. 
Literally, that's what it says here. They still didn't believe it. They could see it. See, you see why faith doesn't require sight? Because people who doubt, even when they see the work of God, they'll deny it. They'll find some way to excuse it away. They won't see a miracle even when standing in their face. Just like the Pharisees didn't see the Son of God even when he was standing there in their face. The Word of God talking to them. And so they didn't believe that he had been blind and received his sight. So they sent for the man's parents, right? You get that call from West Shemokin in the middle of the day and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> here, we, here we go again. And then the vice principal's like, hey Steve, I'm sorry. Y you know I really like you and your family, right? But we got to talk about something. <laughs> so the parents got called in, brought before the Pharisees. <laughs> and they had to tread lightly. And so the Pharisees asked them, is this your son? Is he the one, is this the one that you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? And the parents answered, we know this is our son. And we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he's of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus was the Messiah would be kicked out of church, put out of the synagogue. Don't you love churches like that? You step out of line and boom, you're out of there. I've actually had some people Facebook message the church website and ask, how can you let that person go to your church? Did you see what they posted the other day? Hi, Donnie. Um, <laughs> sorry, it happened. I never even told him about it. Because you know what I said? You know what? If your church requires you to look, act, and talk a certain way and to live a perfect life, you're probably in a cult. You probably want to get out of there, you know? We're a church that we don't control how people live. We just share how God has called us to live. The rest is on them. That's between them and God, you know? <laughs> Unless they're doing something to bring division and cause issues here, talk to them about it. If they offended you, go to your brother and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. And guess what? None of those people ever do that. They just want to be troublemakers and make everyone religious. And Man, G Jesus rubbed people the wrong way in the same way too, right? Yeah. So just so you know, I'll be your defender till, till you know, Jesus comes again. And I might take you aside time to time and be like, hey, can we like, work on this a little bit? But to everyone else, I'll defend you no matter what. Because you're awesome and we love you. And your family. It's a family does for each other, right? Yeah. You, you defend your brother and then you take your brother aside and be like, you idiot. What are you, what? No, you can't say that because you're in, in, in danger of the fires of hell, Jesus said. But what are you thinking, man? Like, come on. Anyways, yeah, we're good. Um, in verse 18, so they were afraid of getting kicked out of the church just by acknowledging Jesus. And that's why his parents said in verse 23, he's of age, ask him. Let him be responsible for this. Don't put this on our heads. Right? As I just watched him tell Dagan, he's like, don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that on me. That's what your parents are saying. Like, don't you put that on us. You talk to him. He's a big boy. He can talk for himself. And then he goes on. I'm sorry, I keep rabbit trailing here. In verse 24, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind again. And they said, okay, now give glory to God by telling the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. Talking about Jesus, by the way. And then in verse 25, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. There's only one thing that I know. I was blind, but now I see. That, 
That's all he knew about Jesus. And he wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. He was giving glory to God. That's all he knew about Jesus. This is the man that come up, rubbed dirt in my eyes, told me to go wash it off. And when I wash it off, I could see. See how easy your testimony is? Sharing your faith with people is so ridiculously simple. You know? Don't, don't try to be, you know, I mean, there's all these, these courses we can take, and I love it. Um, um, you know, I, 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 what is it again? Yeah, I can't even think of the, I can't think of the churchy term for it, for defending your faith. Uh, apologetics. Love apologetics. Took so many courses on it. And, love, and, and Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible answer man, he was my favorite guy. I don't know if anyone listened to him on, on Word FM growing up. But anyways, um, you don't have to know everything. This guy's testimony was, I was blind, now I see. Just tell people what God's done in your life. Because that can't be argued or debated. Cannot be argued or debated. The, the, the evidence speaks for itself, right? So, he went on and he said, I told you already, but you won't listen. Why do you want to hear it again and again and again? They said, do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> Maybe it's just me, but I think he asked it that way. I think there was some sarcasm, some jab in here, like... Why are you so interested in this? You, you, you want to follow him too? Is that, that why you keep asking me about this? Oh man, did that tick them off. They hurled insults at him. They said, you, you're this fellow's disciple, aren't you? We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Whew, wow. Their words are, they don't know they're condemning themselves here, but that's what they are. The man answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. Did you catch that? They said, we know this man is a sinner. And he's like, that's remarkable, because uh, if God doesn't listen to sinners, this guy, God listens to. Because he healed my eyesight, right? And, and remember, this is the same guy. These Pharisees probably walked by Years and years and years, and they just, you know, he's the scum of the earth. He was getting what he deserves for his sins, or his parents' sins, right? Is that what they got called into? He was in trouble. Nobody's in trouble. God just needs some glory for being a healer, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? He didn't sin, his parents didn't sin. Like, not saying they literally never sinned, but saying that he's not blind because of sin. He's blind so that God could be glorified as the healer. We could never know God is our healer unless we're ever sick, Right? Think of it, and then we go on. And so this guy is like, man, this is remarkable. I can't believe this. He said that, you know, God listens to a godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening a man's, the eyes of a man who was born blind. If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, you, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you stand there and lecture us? And they threw him out. Leave it, to, leave it to the church to throw Jesus out, right? <laughs> because this just ain't right. This ain't settling well. This is weird. This is weird stuff. We don't want this. You got to go somewhere else. We don't want that stuff here, right? God, we want whatever you want here. <laughs> we want your will to be accomplished here. Whether it makes sense to us or not, whether we can agree with it or not, whether we think it's flaky and weird or not, just God's will be done. We want to see the blind you know, be able to see. We want to see lost people saved. We want to see sick people healed. I want to see every one of God's promises come to pass in this place. 
I want to see it pass in this community. I'm tired of hearing everyone boast at Demos about their sicknesses and their doctors. And, you know, so tired of hearing people boast in sickness. I want to see people boast in, in that, that they were sick, but now they're healed. You know, I didn't do anything. I just asked Jesus and boom, healed. <sighs> we love, love, love the miraculous power of God here in this place. In fact, in the Assemblies of God, divine healing is one of our distinctive doctrines. It's one of the 16 fundamentals of truths. Divine healing. We believe that Jesus, God did it in the Old Testament. Jesus did it in his life. The church did it in the New Testament. And we don't ever see that coming to an end until we are fully healed in the kingdom and get our glorified bodies. Till then, Jesus is still a healer. He's still doing it. We're confident in it, even though... We, we taste and see some of it, and we see a lot of not it happening. We still believe it, because it's what God promised. And if there's anything wrong, it's not God, and it's not us and our sin. It's just us not figuring out how to do his will. Got to figure things out. How does he want us to, to, to minister to people? Because Jesus rarely healed a person the same way twice. Every time he released healing to somebody, he did something different. But there's always an act. There's an, always an act of faith, a radical act of obedience, and then it took place. We love those things, but there's something far more important than the blind seeing and the lame jumping up and walking. Because all those physical healings is meaningless if that simply means that they go to hell seeing instead of going to hell blind. If that means that they're carried into hell because they can't walk or they go leaping and clicking their heels for joy, you know, into it. In fact, in verse 40 uh, or 35, Jesus said this. Jesus heard that they threw him out. And whenever he found him, he said, he went to the blind man that got thrown out. So Jesus went and tracked this man down. And he said, do you believe in the son of man? The man asked, well, who is he? Tell me so that I might believe in him. This guy was blind. He had no idea what was happening to him, right? Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. you know? The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Verse 40, they knew exactly what he was saying. Verse 40, spiritual blindness. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and they asked Jesus, what? Are you, are you saying that we're blind? Jesus said, well, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty of sin. But now you claim that you can see. So your guilt remains. They could physically see. He was talking about their spiritual blindness. Their hardened hearts. You know. They, they, they could see but they couldn't see. Jesus was speaking to their spiritual condition. In fact the spiritual condition issue is why Jesus so often spoke in parables. And I swear I'm closing up here. I know I'm going a little long but. Jesus said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but not to you, but to others. That's why I speak in parables, so that seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. He was fulfilling the word of God. They saw the miraculous power of God released through Jesus. And yet they called him a sinner, they called him a demon, they called him a glutton, they called him a drunk, they called him every name in the book. So get used to it if people are, you know, condemning you. You know what I, what I love about, about it whenever people do stuff like that? They know you're a Christian. 
Donnie, isn't that awesome? They know that you're a believer. They know that you go, you go to church here. You're making a difference, and you're rubbing them the right way, you know, getting rid of that religiousness and releasing freedom to people. Because what was Jesus really like? How did Jesus really live? Man, did he rub the religious people the wrong way. They saw, but they didn't really see. That man who was laying there blind from birth, he wasn't the blind one. It was the Pharisees that were blind. <sighs> Paul said it this way, for we live by faith and not by sight, right? We live by faith, not by sight. Spiritual blindness. We don't live with these natural eyes. We live with our spiritual eyes. We're not blind anymore. We were once blind, but now we see. Now we see the truth. Now we see that the battle, as Tammy shared this morning, it's not. It's in the heavenly realms. It's not against flesh and blood. Now we see what's really going on, right? We're a bunch of conspiracy people. With, uh, you know, we've seen the truth now, and, and you can't ever convince us of that lie again. Now we see what's really happening behind the scenes. According to Hebrews 11, one thing is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. It has everything to do with trust in God, with trust in who he is, with trust in what he says, and far less trust in our natural senses and our own understanding. In fact, nothing reveals our faith more than how we respond when we're in that season of waiting. Uh, season of waiting. Because you're not seeing it. But you're believing for it. It reveals your faith. One of these men was lame from birth. The other was blind from birth. Then Jesus healed them and radically changed their lives. They waited a lifetime. But their healing came quickly. And I'm sure if you asked either one of those guys afterwards, there was no regrets about that long waiting season. It was worth it. It was worth the wait. And I'm ending on this scripture. Jesus told his disciples a parable. He told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and never, ever, ever give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge. Could care less about God. Didn't fear God. Didn't fear people. He didn't care what they thought either. Anyone ever meet a person in their life like that? They don't care about anybody or anything. They're just so full of themselves. Right? No compassion at all. They don't care about God. Don't care about other people. And it says, there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. Now, I don't know if any of you all have old ladies like that. Becky's grandma is one, for sure, that, 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 I, that I think of this way. Finally, he thought to himself, even if I don't fear God, even if I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'm going to see if she gets justice, so she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> like... Whew. You don't want to be on that lady's wrong side. That, that little old fragile woman, I'm telling you. You do her wrong, she'll march right in there and tell you about it. We got testimony after testimony of whew, that, the boldness of that woman, you know? It's, 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 it's funny, it's cute, but it's scary. I would not want to be on her bad side. Like That's how this judge was feeling. He's like, this little thing's going to kill me if I, if I don't give her some justice here quickly. So he did. He did. He finally caved in. And Jesus said, listen to what that unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? The ones who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you the truth, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, and we've been quoting this every single message. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I don't know about you all, but this, these verses definitely 
rub me the wrong way if that's the phrase I'm going to keep using this morning, you know. Okay, so, so let me get this straight, God. So I cry out to you day and night, day and night. I'm longing, I'm desperate, I'm crying out to you. And then you say that I receive it quickly. Like, paradox. But you do receive it quickly. When he answers the prayer, boom, it's done. It's given, it's, it's answered. But, so, like, God's definition of quickly is not my definition of quickly. But God's timeliness is perfect. If it were up to me, I would get everything that I want exactly when I want it and how I want it. And oh man, would I be a wretched person, right? It's not good to spoil a kid, is it? It's just not. Us parents, you understand that, you know? It's good for them to, to, to build character and to grow and to mature. And sometimes they have to wait a little bit, you know? Um, but we forget that as adults, that we still need to learn to be patient. It's how you wait it's how you wait while you're waiting that really shows your faith or not. And so often I look like that toddler down Dollar General kicking and screaming because I want my little pony, you know? I mean, how often do I look that way, you know? Seriously, just like, just like, the, just like the Israelites in the desert, whining and complaining and, you know, it would have been better if I never even came. Meg, how often do you say that? Like, I wish I would have just stayed home, you know? <laughs> Sorry. That, that corner's getting picked on. Who else can I pick on this morning? I don't know. But anyways, now we're closing up. Crying out day and night, and then God sees you get it quickly. It's the paradox of faith. And that's what Jesus said. When I return, will I find faith on earth? Just because you haven't received it yet doesn't mean it's not yours. Just because you ha it hasn't manifested itself yet doesn't mean that God has overlooked you. That God hasn't heard you. That God decided it's not for you. You screwed up too many times. You're a sinner. You're getting what you deserve. That, those are lies from the pit of hell. It just means keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. And you will receive it. He will answer. He will open the door. He will release his provision freely into your life. Why? Because you had faith. Because you didn't give up on the goodness of God. You just keep believing in him. You kept pressing in, and it came quickly, quickly. So what promise of God are you currently waiting on? Just, just stop and think about that. And several of them probably already came to mind. Don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. Don't, don't let your faith weaken. Let your faith grow and rise during the waiting season. Let faith arise. Keep declaring that victory. Keep believing the battle is the Lord's. Realize that reality that there's nothing I can do. This is beyond me. It has to be God. That's the best place to be in life. Because you're going to stop stressing over it. You're going to stop losing sleep over it. You're going to stop trying to scrape up every ounce of resources you can to try to make something happen. Right? You're going to let Hagar go. You're not going to give him over to Abram. Right? You're going to believe in the promise of God. And the more impossible it is, Look at every single instance where a miracle is released. The more impossible it is, that means you're closer to the release of that miracle. Abraham and Sarah, they were almost dead. <laughs> they were in their, what, 90s and 80s. There's no way they could have children. But that's when God chose to release the miracle. When it could only be him. Only be him. Because then he gets the glory. And everybody sees and knows that it was him. 
because there's no way that bonehead Steve could ever do that right, you know? I mean, it's good when people know you and know your weaknesses, because then when things happen, they know it was God who was your strength through it. It's good. It's good. Don't let the enemy beat yourself up about those things. Don't let the enemy heap condemnation and shame on you. Just believe that that is the area where God is going to be revealed in my life and through my life. This is my greatest weakness. So this is going to be God's greatest strength, right? All right, so this is closing prayer. So Jesus, forgive us for being bratty children of you. Forgive us for getting irritable and bitter and angry and whiny and complainy. And forgive us for letting doubt arise in our lives. We have tasted and seen that you are good. We have seen your miraculous power and hand work in our lives. You made ways where there was no other way. You are a faithful God. You have never completely let us down. You always came rushing in at just the right time. So Jesus, you know what my heart is longing for now. You know what's worrying me and causing anxiety in my life. And Lord, right now I just cast that thing on you. This battle is yours, it's not mine anymore, because I'm losing it. So Jesus, just have your way. Even though we are overwhelmed, even though it looks like we are surrounded and there's no way out of this situation, yet God, you surround the situation. You are above the situation and you are beyond the situation. You are present in it. And you have gone ahead of me and worked it all out already. So we just thank you for your coming victory. We thank you for your coming provision. We will give you praise and honor and glory about that very thing in faith. We're confident that we will receive it. We're certain even though we don't see it. Because we are a people that walk by faith, patiently waiting on you and not by sight in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let faith arise, right? Yes. Amen. Have a blessed one.